it's now been two weeks since, well, if you're a future listener, it was October 22nd, 2018, when my brother and I announced the coming of the Premier Lacrosse League. We launched Arm in Arm with 140 plus of the best players in the world who are receiving higher wages, healthcare, and equity. It's the first time ever for a team sports league. All of our games will be broadcasted live on the NBC family of networks, giving pro lacrosse an unprecedented level of access to the highest level of competition. Our standing mantra is the PLL is founded by the players for the fans, building the next major pro sports league in the U.S. And we've come a long way to get here. And over the last two weeks, I've sprung two shows focused on the creation of the PLL on all of you listeners. The first one was recorded the night of our launch, October 22nd, with my brother Mike, who's the co-founder and CEO. And the second was just last week with our investor and advisor, one of them. He's the head of CAA Sports, Mike Levine, or as many of you now know, Vino. Both gave unique perspectives on the PLL year-to-date, and since then, feedback has come through from all of you loyal listeners around, you know, hey, Paul, what about a lead-in? Or, geez, Paul, off the top ropes, you're dropping the PLL on us. And, and honestly, it's not necessarily my style to build in stealth, prepare for launch, then hit everyone with swift news. I'm more from the media marketing background of slow build, leak, leak, build up, slow down, raise eyebrows, excite, then boom, launch. It's actually one of the reasons why Ryan Holiday, New York Times bestselling author and probably the most prominent brand strategist in the world, he was also a former Suiting Up podcast guest, invested in the PLL and is also an advisor of ours. In fact, it's Ryan Holiday's story, much like more on today's show, that I'll be sharing with you. Then next week, we'll pick back up with our lead investor of the PLL, the Rain Group. Note, I'm especially excited about that one. Then a PLL player and we'll probably wrap the creation of PLL series heading towards 2019. Suiting Up is a show that explores the psychology, playbook of tools, and strategies of the most influential people in sports, entrepreneurship, and entertainment. Today's episode's a little bit different. It's just me giving you some musings on the creation of the PLL. Okay, first a quick shout out to the first producer on the show not named Tyler Steinhardt. This gentleman's name is Matt Hevia. Matt's a Cadence 13 producer and director. That's the company that we work with on this podcast. And he's actually been behind the scenes with me as we've brought together over 60 guests on this show dating back 18 months, which uniquely 18 months aligns with our timetable of constructing the PLL. So Matt's actually been along this ride with me behind the scenes as we often get together before a guest like Tony Robbins comes on or a Jay Williams or a Venus Williams, and we talk about life and we talk about business. And while I certainly don't doubt for one second, as Matt has known about this, and he actually was never under NDA, so thank you, Matt. Matt, ha- Matt probably didn't have any concerns. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm sure he thought that there were challenges and a likelihood that we wouldn't launch, and that's all very well-founded. Mike and I shared the same concerns, but since we've launched, he's pinged me a couple of times to one, say congratulations, and two, talk about podcast concepts. He's been like, dude, you should use this medium as a weekly diary for the PLL. And while that won't be the future of Student Up Podcasts, I can tell you primarily because of my thick headedness, which tends to prevail in situations like this for better, 
and most often worse. I just really love the Suiting Up podcast format. I get to meet my sports and entrepreneurial idols, I get to interview them and share those conversations with you. Also renoting the benefit of doing that with Ryan Holiday, who's now turned into a close friend and confident, uh, confidant, I should say, but confidently a confidant uh, for the PLL. And all of that said, we will be launching different PLL podcasts, just not under this direct album that you're subscribed to. But we're going to do so with players, and we're also going to launch another show that's focused on the build-out of the league, which to another medium, video. If you haven't seen it yet, Brett Roberts, who's my filmmaker and helps with social media on across all my channels, video and photo, uh, he's backed by Samir Chaudhary and Colin Rosenblum, who've been guests on Suiting Up Podcasts I've known for years and have concepted and built and marketed with across mediums. They've been rolling out a YouTube series called The League. We're two episodes through. It's living on my YouTube channel right now, youtube.com forward slash Paul Rabel. It's cinematically pleasing. I think there are all three super talents. But the point is this. One of our many goals is to be the next major American sports league that openly discusses its business build, the opportunities, and more often probably failures uh, with its audience. And when we talk about building a 21st century league, that's what we mean. We're talking leveraging modern capabilities like new media, new technology. It's never been a case in our history of sports where you had immediate touch points to audiences and you can share what's compelling about sports, not only the come from behind win and the last second shot, but who was underneath the helmet that led that effort, that took that shot. Today's episode is brought to you by PayPal. With PayPal, you can rely on trusted payment partners that process over 25 million payments per day. So when it comes to growing your business, PayPal is your best and most qualified payments partner for today and tomorrow. When we founded Rabel Companies, we opened up a PayPal account. And when my co-founder Mick Davis and I launched Rabel Events, home to the Rabel Tour, Rabel Overnight, Defensive Academy, and Scotty Rogers Goalie Training, we opened the transaction doors for PayPal. Visit paypal.com forward slash growth to set up your business account today. And if you sign up at paypal.com forward slash growth today, it's free. PayPal because you have to. So I was connected to Ryan Holiday through another connection of mine, which came from another connection and another connection. I'd rather not go there. You know how long-winded I can be. Let's just skip to the two of us going back and forth over email. It, it was amazing how eager Ryan was to get on my startup podcast. He wasn't on a press tour to launch a new book. He lives in Austin, Texas. He infrequently visits New York City. But for one week, he would be there. And he was responding to emails so quickly. And during that week, I was there too. That week, I prepared like hell for my interview with Ryan. I was about to talk to one of the most articulate, eloquent historians that I've been galvanized by for so long. I remember sitting down with him, having a huge adrenaline rush and note, Ryan's a year younger than me, and having so many ideas about what to talk about. Actually, at one point during the interview, Ryan called me out by telling me I was all over the place. Oh, I need to be clear real quick that he wasn't calling me out. I led him to that comment. It was a piece of levity and comedic relief, 
And he's also just much more consciously streamlined than me. Anyway, here's why I'm talking about Ryan. The forum connected us. And after the podcast, we shared cell phone numbers as well as caught up on other stuff, mainly the Premier Lacrosse League. And Ryan's insanely interested, intellectually curious, and loved what we were doing. He expressed interest in getting involved, then dug in around being active. I remember him being really astute on the phone with Mike and myself a couple weeks after we had the podcast, and he said, how do you both think about advisors? Too many companies bring on advisors just to list them on their deck and use and press. They're wasting everyone's time. He said, if you can think through objectives to drive value from your advisors, that's the way to go. And that was music to our ears, as Mike, who remembers much more experienced, smarter, and has built and raised money for small businesses and companies that have IPO'd, it was music to our ears. We were building our advisors exactly how Ryan had suggested. And hopefully that was underscored if you listen to Vino's podcast previous to this one. So let's discuss how we can get Ryan involved in our marketing and rollout strategies. That became the next iteration. And he's done it better than anyone else in his past and feel like he was a big part of PLL's rollout. The companies and people he's worked with in the past include First American Apparel, that innovative, tricky, and viral there's a very viral rollout to recent you know, groups he's worked with through his creative agency, Brass Check, like Google, Taser, Complex, and people like Neil Strauss, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Casey Neistat. And he's the author of six books, many of my favorites, The Obstacles Away, He Goes the Enemy, and so on. Anyway, as I was thinking about today's show, he kept popping into my head. And yes, this stuff has been going on throughout Suiting Up Podcast interviews. As open as I am with you, vulnerable and honest, and I'm talking to you who are listening, I've been holding back the Premier Lacrosse League. I've had to. Now, as Mike and I discussed and Vino touched on, and with the rollout of PLL Social, quick shout out to Tyler Steinhardt. This person is incredible. He's talented, witty, well-researched, and engaging. You can see where we've landed across media. You can you know, watch our Bloomberg interview, the Cheddar interview, New York Stock Exchange, Yahoo Finance, to Uninterrupted, to Bleacher Report, to Barstool, to Inside Lacrosse, U.S. Lacrosse. We were overwhelmed, but we were also very strategic with Ryan, with Tyler, with Tom Brady, with our team internally, with DKC, who's our comms and PR team. But for this show, specifically, right now, I wanted to share with you a very personal POV article that I drafted for the Players' Tribune. And this is a behind-the-scenes of why I wrote it the way I did. And the article starts like this. When I was a kid, as soon as I returned home from school, I'd drop off my backpack and run outside. My older brother, Mike, who's familiar now, and I did this every single day. We'd grab a basketball, soccer ball, or football on the way out. We were only two years apart and the days after school were always spent in our narrow backyard in Gaithersburg, Maryland. We had a little bit of pavement and a sliver of grass. Tried to avoid the pavement. Didn't always work that way. In the sixth grade, my neighbor, who you've probably heard of on this podcast or on another forum, his name was Bruce Nikonicki. Unknowingly, he changed the course of my life by giving me my first lacrosse stick. The Strohsniders, another uh, family in the neighborhood, gave Mike his long pole. The backyard then quickly changed, and within days, Mike and I were playing one-on-one, as I would dodge against Mike to shoot on an old net that we borrowed from another family friend. He played defense, as I had mentioned, and would wind up that six-foot pole, often meant for contact, rather to dislodge the ball. Anyway, the the one-on-ones didn't go my way. 
And that spring, my brother and I joined Bruce in the Montgomery Village Sports Association. It was a rec league in the area that was serving local families. And at that stage in my adolescent sports career, I had excelled in basketball, soccer, and track and field. I figured lacrosse would be no different, but it was. I was terrible. What I remember about my first game is how fast everything felt. When I finally touched the ball, it was a disaster. I attempted to shoot. My arms were really heavy, but the ball actually shot in the opposite direction as my forward motion went toward the net that I was aiming at. I didn't know where the ball was. I was spinning around trying to locate it, and the opposing team's defender spotted it before me, picked it up, head down in the other direction, and actually scored what would be the winning goal. Those games back in the day, rec lacrosse, sixth grade, often ended in three to two. So it wasn't a dramatic fourth quarter, last second goal. Why would the kid who's first picked up a stick two weeks ago have the ball in that moment? So it certainly wasn't that, uh, but it was the game winning goal. So all in all, it didn't exactly get off to the start that I was expecting. And honestly, I wanted to quit the game right there. I remember kicking and screaming to practices. There were two a week at the local rec field uh, to my mother saying that I wasn't having fun playing and I didn't want to play and I'd rather play a sport that was more fun. Mike was playing baseball and lacrosse. uh, So, hey, let me try baseball. Uh, But with the encouragement from my parents, primarily the moral fiber of teaching lessons to young kids at that age, which is follow through with your commitment and don't quit. So special thank you to my mom, especially, and my dad. I stuck with it. And over time, I fell in love with that game. Maybe it was a unique combination of skills that lacrosse requires. It's the endurance of soccer, the physicality of football, the agility of basketball, the two-man game of basketball. Or maybe it was that At its core, lacrosse is just really, really fun. I often call it a stylistic game where no two people have the same exact stick. In fact, if Mike and I were to go to Dick's Sporting Goods and pull two sticks off the shelf that were the exact same over the next week as we played against the wall or shot on net, our stick would alter. We would tape it a certain way. The pocket would form in a different direction. It's all skill-based and everything is unique. That's exciting. And eventually I started to improve. The game slowed down and I sped up athletically. And as I got better, I began to focus on playing at the college level. I thought about it all the time, especially when I was out shooting on that old beat up lacrosse goal in our backyard. I'd only go inside when it got too dark or after I had broken another window. Thankfully, again, I had fantastic parents, although this time my mom would stay away from the mess and my dad would either sweep up the glass or encourage me to go out and do so. We also had very patient neighbors. I began following contemporary lacrosse greats as well during this process, which really helped me improve. This was pre-YouTube, pre-social media. So access to lacrosse, different than now, and circling back to our commentary around why it makes sense for the PLL right now, new technology, new media, that didn't exist when I was a 12 to 16-year-old young lacrosse player. So outside of the players that I was playing with on field and the coaches that I had access to, I didn't know how the game would be played. So I relied on the Final Four on ESPN2 and ESPN every year, and some local games that I would catch on Baltimore's ABC, but I would have to hack into that through a neighbor's black box, another story. Uh, Anyway, what what I turned to was a local coach who would record games 
to his VHS and give me those VHS tapes. His name was Scott Pugh. If Scott is listening to this, hello, Scott, and thank you. So my greats were primarily chosen from access to those tapes, and they consisted of A.J. Hogan, was a Hopkins great midfielder. Of course, the Gates, who we had access to. Adam Doniger, Hopkins great, Josh Sims, Princeton great, Ryan Boyle, Princeton great as I was getting closer to my age bracket, then the Powells, primarily Mikey, and then Kyle Harrison. I'd hoard old VHS tapes from my coaches and kind of also pour over inside lacrosse magazines every month. I had this vision of wanting to be a part of the recruiting issue. And then when I went to my first Final Four game in 2004 with my dad, I remember seeing uh, Billy Looney on the screen who I had played with at DeMatha, and he was a freshman for Navy, and they were playing Syracuse in the championship, and Billy Looney's picture showed up on the Jumbotron, and I thought to myself, one day, if I could be at M&T Bank Stadium on the Jumbotron, that would be awesome. Right now, I'm living a life on the road. We're building the PLL coast-to-coast, taking meetings daily and traveling weekly. And as an athlete on the move, traveling comfortably is critical. And having compatible luggage creates that comfort, and it's why I use Away. Away is first-class luggage at a coach price, and their approach is simple. They create special objects that are designed to be resilient, resourceful, and essential to the way you and I travel today. Away built their product from thousands of conversations with travelers like myself. And here are a few reasons and answers that I gave them and why I choose Away. Number one, the interior features a patent-pending compression system, which is always helpful for me as an overpacker. Number two, it's TSA-approved combination lock built in the top of the bag, prevents theft. Three, it has a removable, washable laundry bag that keeps dirty clothes separate from clean ones, which is great for me as I work out and attend meetings on the same away travel case. And finally, there are built-in chargeable outlets for your devices. Now, because you're a loyal Student Up podcast listener, I've sourced a great deal with Away to layer on top of an already affordable product. So you can get $20 off your suitcase by visiting awaytravel.com forward slash suiting up and use promo code suiting up during checkout. That is awaytravel.com forward slash suiting up. Away, it's first class luggage at a coach price. Today's episode is brought to you by Robinhood. It's an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos, all commission-free. The company strives to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy. It's a non-intimidating way for stock market newcomers, like myself and others, to invest for the first time with true confidence. And it's simple and intuitive, a clear UI UX design and data presented in an easy-to-digest way. More on this now. A former Student Up podcast guest, also a personal favorite, Tony Robbins, reminded us about building financial freedom. It's most important that we, one, educate ourselves, and two, mind the fees, as he said. And Robinhood allows us to do both with an easy and free registration portal and education zone where you can discover new stocks and track favorite companies. They have a personalized news feed plus built-in notifications when stock prices move. My process with Robinhood was seamless and exciting. And I hope yours can be too. Robinhood is giving Student Up podcast listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. And you can access that right now by signing up at rabel.robinhood.com. That's R-A-B-I-L dot Robinhood.com. I went to bed every night dreaming of 
being in those games and scoring those game winners. And like many athletes, I was told that I should be more realistic about my vision for the future. In the case of Johns Hopkins, hey, they've brought in the last four number one recruiting classes. You're going to ride the pine. Temper your expectations, Paul. But I just kept practicing, and eventually the work did pay off. Before I knew it, I was a senior at Hopkins. So I won't bore you with all the other kind of years in between. I'll talk about this seminal moment, and you'll understand where I'm tying back to with PLL. So I was wearing that light blue jersey for the last time. So it was the 2008 NCAA championship game against Syracuse. I walked onto the field, or actually we ran onto the field, and it was uh, quite the experience. The entire crowd was orange. It must have been 15% blue. Um, Access to upstate New York in Boston, I think, was a reason for that, but... I had never run out to 55,000 fans booing like we did there. And we were all sprinting out. There were 45 of us. And uh, then all of a sudden, someone tripped. I'll reserve his name. It led to a few other guys tripping. And I was trying to hurdle and avoid that national television embarrassment, um, which I did. Uh, But beyond that, which I sidestepped, this game I felt was my moment. It was time for me to etch and finalize my collegiate career on top in lacrosse history. And then we lost. And I was broken. I remember crying on the field. There's some pictures of me sobbing. It was uncontrollable. They were guttural sobs. And after leaving the rock locker room in a daze of not only fatigue and eyes were bloodshot and uh, puffy, I sulked the team tailgate where I met my parents and I remember embracing my dad and my mom and those long hugs and hanging heads as a restless competitor I couldn't accept that my career was over and I felt similar to a story I've told on this podcast before in 2014 after losing the world championships to Canada that the world revolved around Paul Rabel and everyone expected Paul and in this case Johns Hopkins to win and I let everyone down and I'm no longer who I thought I would be and that kind of identity in sport uh, was overwhelming, something that I've spent a lot of time addressing and sharing with everyone on the show through sports psychology and personal therapy. And when we boarded the bus though, the first text message I received was from one of those VHS lacrosse stars. He's now a good friend. He was my former Hopkins teammate, and he's our director of player relations at the PLL. His name's Kyle Harrison. I remember exactly what he texted me. He said, you played your heart out, brother. Left it all out on the field. There's a bright future ahead. Kyle was a senior captain on our 2005 championship team, and his words of encouragement and praise meant the world to me at a low point in my career. I remember him telling me that the professional lacrosse game was uh, catered to my style of play. And I turned pro that following week, but this wasn't the dream that I had imagined as a little kid. And I went from playing on national television, what many would say at the peak of my college career, I had a boutique agent at the time that said, You're most popular right now. Every subsequent day, you're going to depopularize. So let's strike the endorsements that are paying you the most because you have a three-year window rendered until you're irrelevant. I thought to myself, that can't be true. 
but it was supported by my next steps where I took a full-time job in investment sales, a real estate company in DC to supplement that meager pro lacrosse salary at the time. And my teammates were doing the same thing. We called ourselves weekend warriors where our full-time jobs as uh, financial analysts or teachers, firefighters in some cases and aspiring doctors. This was a new type of challenge. I was forced to work out in the morning or evenings and then I would flip depending on my training schedule to go outside and shoot. And I had a nine to five. It wasn't easy, I'll tell you that, to maintain peak performance. Jay and I talked about it on our podcast, who's my strength and conditioning coach for 14 years, um, that my first workout with him going into the NLL season, I had been doing all my training on my own at the office gym in D.C. I was 235 pounds, but it was strong 235. I wasn't, um, you know, overly you know, pillaging you know, cupcakes and bagels and beer, uh, as some of my peers were in, in real estate, I was uh, just doing a bunch of bench pressing and squatting and I wasn't doing a lot of running. And so my first training camp in the NLL, and that's why I knocked on Jay's door and say, we got to do work again. Uh, I was, uh, dry heaving from the back and forth and the pace. Anyway, uh, I made a change after my rookie season and decided to quit underwriting buildings. I started a camp and clinic business. I got my first endorsement, and uh, I built my first social media account. It was a Facebook fan page and a YouTube video. So I uploaded my first YouTube video 10 years ago today. I was quick to adopt new media as I found out and discovered that this was a new and really interesting way for a sport that wasn't getting mainstream coverage to connect with fans everywhere. And I decided that to be a full-time lacrosse player, that I needed to invest here and also build out this entrepreneurial skill set that wasn't innate, it was necessary. And over the last 10 years, my teammates have increasingly taken a similar path to playing pro full-time, starting their own businesses to supplement their income in lacrosse though, not outside of lacrosse, which allows you to prioritize your skill and your practice and your training. Lacking mainstream media attention, we've leaned on social media to connect with those fans and tell our story, and the PLL is going to continue to enhance that. Lacrosse has been the fastest growing sport in the U.S. for the last 15 years. At the youth level, it has been sanctioned East Coast to West Coast at the high school level. Cross gender, there hasn't been a faster growing team sport in the NCAA, D1, 2, and 3, and internationally, We're now at close to 60 sanctioned teams that are competing in the FIL, which is the Federation of International Lacrosse. There were 48 playing in the World Games this past July in Israel. The game has grown everywhere, and a professional body needs to unlock the real commercial viability through corporate partnerships, through featuring players, through competition in a new model, through distribution with new media, and we've anchored with NBC, traditional, but the major traditional network in 110 million homes. So we've decided to change that through professional lacrosse by building the PLL. And on Monday, we announced that October 22nd. We're creating a future that can pave the way for more dreamers, grinders, and competitors to thrive. My closest friend, he was my mentor and co-founder, that same brother who I played one-on-one with in the backyard, Mike, him and I have been working on the PLL and reimagining what a modern sports league can be and 
how to drive our players, fans, and the next generation of players forward. And Matt Hevia, who's been with me along this podcast, has heard about all those stories from day one. We've strived to think creatively. We wanted to solve for the operational inefficiencies, the venue challenges, and lower distribution that face pro sports like lacrosse. And we did so by building this competitive tour-based model. Every weekend, 120 of the best players will dress on six teams and descend upon a major market city and play at a world-class sport venue, much like my Final Four experience in Gillette, where we had 55,000 fans. Although I'll say just pragmatically, we're not expecting 55,000 fans per weekend. We hope to get there, though. And this partnership that we're building across not only NBC, but with corporate partners that we're going to unveil and our coaches and so on, they're going to provide fans with unparalleled exposure to the sport. We're the first professional team sports league in the U.S. to give equity to our players. Providing equity will allow them to share in the growth of the company. And we're not stopping there. We're investing in original programming and docuseries to tell our players stories. And giving players access to game day assets to live natively on their social media channels will help grow their social following. Dana White says the turn positively that impacted the UFC wasn't over, certainly wasn't overnight. They bought the UFC with the Fertitta brothers for $2 million. They were close to $40 million in the hole, and they did a time buy with FX, a channel I believe at the time. I'm just jogging my memory right now. But they launched The Ultimate Fighter. And The Ultimate Fighter was a reality show that captured two main ingredients. One, it educated the audience around MMA. People like myself were used to seeing a ring, or in their case, an octagon. Two people, okay, this is a fight, but we're used to seeing punches and punches only thrown. This was a lot of fighting and combat on the mat. So they educated around the intricacies of takedowns and what you see MMA fighters do down there with their grapple holds. Lacrosse is also a technically immersive sport. So reality shows like UFC's Ultimate Fighter and what we're building from original programming will help do that. Part two for Dana White was telling the story of their athletes. I remember Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell and now Conor McGregor. We learn through programming, and we're going to do the same with ours. When we started building the PLL, I heard a lot of the same questions from when I was a kid who dreamt of playing college lacrosse and looking at that Billy Looney jumbotron at M&T Bank Stadium. Things like, are you sure you want to do this? Things like, make sure you have a backup plan. Things like, this is a long road. Are you ready for it? Lacrosse isn't big enough. Look, we, we know it's not easy. And as athletes, we know that there will be failures along the way. We're used to it handling those euphoric highs of victory and the massive lows of defeat, the ones that cause those guttural sobs. For me, I will never forget the loss I felt on that field in Gillette Stadium that May afternoon. I now know it's, though, how you respond to adversity that matters. This sport has come full circle for me. It's as if I'm in a new backyard, though once again with Mike. I'm on a new team with Kyle and so many other greats. Full circle, once again, dreaming of raising a championship trophy. But this time, it has Premier Lacrosse League etched into it. You know what? You were right, Kyle. There is a bright future ahead.
you enjoyed this episode of Suiting Up, please be sure to let me know. And Matt will check in as well. Shoot either me or the PLL a note over Twitter. I'm at Paul Rabel, and the Premier Lacrosse League is at Premier Lacrosse. You can be the first to listen to next week's episode as well as catch up on previous episodes, including my one-on-one conversation with PLL's investor and advisor, Ryan Holiday. That will be a fun listen as it was pre-PLL conversation. His and many more are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your pods. Also, when you find me, please hit subscribe and give us a rating and review. That all goes a long way. Check out this episode's show notes at suitinguppodcast.com. And thank you to today's sponsors, PayPal, Robinhood, and Away. I'm always grateful for your support. Until the next episode of Creating the PLL. Exciting times, everyone.